Dude, you should just call it Goodbye Earl. Like Good, the, Dixie, like the Dixie, Dixie Chick song. With, okay. Should we sing it? Let's, I'll cut well, this part it's, right it's, now. It's, How do we it's, sing it's, it? It's pretty bad because I think the, the hook is like, because Earl had to die. Oh, I remember <laughs> that, dude. <laughs> Goodbye, Earl. Goodbye, Earl. All right. <clears throat> Episode three. Actually, let's get serious with this introduction. We're saying about your favorite player on the Hawks. Yeah. Episode three, Talk to Sports with Trevin Corb. Hello, everybody. We are back. We're back at it. It's mid-March, and the episode, the third episode. The eve before our great St. Patrick. <laughs> Everyone's downtown right now just getting just hammered. Just And we're, we're recording this. In podcast yeah. yeah and i'm i'm the only one drinking you're not drinking yeah i'm on a uh i'm on a booze break a hiatus they call it a little uh little reset <laughs> you know what i mean you got to do it every once in a while right yeah i did it i did it last year <laughs> you did it for a hell of a lot longer than i'm gonna do it though there's no chance i could make it six months i don't okay. i mean well it was i don't have a problem but like <laughs> you know you're not, no, we're not there yet, but it was five and a half months, so I'm not going to take a full six month credit, but Dude, you know, that's a long time. Man. It was, but yeah, we're not, we're not partying. Me and Trev, Trev's a busy man and we, so are you, and I am busy and we wanted to get an episode recorded just because we really enjoy doing this. Yeah. And, um, so, and it's the weekend. We don't have to worry about working tomorrow. That's like, super nice. It is, yeah. it is nice to switch it up. This is going to feel a little different because we're not quite as, as organized as we've been for the last two episodes, but I think that that's appropriate. Yeah. Anyways, this episode is called Goodbye Earl Thomas. Dixie Chicks reference there. Yeah. And, and we'll be getting into NFL free agency very shortly, but the big one for us here in Washington and for our co-host Trevor Sharp and uh, one of the guests the uh Jackson Bevins who's going to be a guest eventually on Talking Sports his favorite player is Earl as well so yeah we're all we're all sad around here but we're also super stoked cuz Earl got paid <laughs> yeah Earl got paid he deserved to get paid um i've had such a fun time watching that that guy play uh he has poured his heart out on the field and played at the highest level for all of the 12s for quite some time. Hats off to Earl. Thank you so much for your time in Seattle forming the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Because uh, that will forever be remembered as probably the best secondary yes. of all time. Of uh, all time. And so history uh, is always uh, is always fun to, to watch. And, and, you know, when I look back at that years down the road when I'm old and my kids are my age, you know, they'll sit there and talk about a secondary and I'll be like, I saw this best secondary play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Earl might not have been the most outspoken of the Legion of Boom, even though the Legion of Boom made a lot of noise yeah. everywhere it went. Yeah, I, That quote of him where he's talking about, he says this as humbly as possible, but people want to know why they can draft late round corners and safeties and yada yada. And he says it's 2-9 right there, right in the middle. That's why. And I say that as humbly as possible. <laughs> yeah. So, but he, it's been it's it's been it's been an 
awesome yeah. to uh and I'm 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 happy for him. I think that as a Seahawk fan, it couldn't have worked out any better for the fans as well because, you know, the rumors that were circling were Dallas or San Francisco and I I I think I speak for a lot of people when I say we would have a hard time watching him in either one of those uniforms. Yeah. San Francisco's obviously a rival. Dallas is just Dallas. Yeah. Um for lack of a better, lack of a better word, Dallas and, is the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and so I'm. I think that it's it's cool too because now he gets to go and be the guy that Ed Reed was for that defense, and I'm sure he's pro- probably pretty stoked about that because I would imagine if you had a conversation with Earl Thomas and talked about the best safeties of all time, he probably would be talking about Ed Reed. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean. I, another thing I saw about him recently, he a clip about that showed his character, and he was talking about simply polite etiquette, like just like being a human being in like, and uh, and it's just man, that's a that's a real honest person, a real honest professional, and yeah. that's great to see. So, uh, Baltimore, the Ravens, that conference. Everything about that situation, how much you made. Tell tell everybody how much you made. You know, off the top of your head, really or just fifty five, right? Four year, fifty five million. Yeah, we it, can double check that real we, quick. We will, uh, but it was definitely in the mid fifties, and um, way way more than the Seahawks were ever going to. I be think able to it be. ended up being just over thirteen a year, and he was seeking fourteen. It's thirty two million guaranteed over four, four years, but I'm pretty sure the deal is worth like fifty two to fifty five somewhere in there. Good for Earl. Um, it was cool because we'll lead into the next one, but it looked like the he was right about to sign with the Browns. And oh yeah, they, they were made yeah, a bunch of noise. they were they were they were making noise. That would have been. I mean, that's the only situation that I think would have been. I would have been more of a fan of for him, just because of what they're doing in Cleveland. We'll obviously get to that a little later in the yeah. episode, but yeah, that's uh, pretty cool that he he got he got the contract that he was looking for. He deserved to be paid the end of the day it is a business and it was time for um, him to kind of take the the next step and move on to the next chapter of his life and i'm happy for him and can't thank him enough for all of his all of his years in seattle and i'm probably gonna have to retire that jersey and frame it or something yeah absolutely put, put it up in my office that'd be cool as a as a little token to remember him by yep all right obj Oh man. So everybody's heard I think it might have broke the internet when it happened. The New York Giants obviously traded uh Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. I think both teams in this deal would tell you that they won they you know, they got the better deal uh out of this out of the trade. The Giants I think are looking to maybe rebuild a little bit, take a step back cuz I think the only real offensive weapon they have now is Saquon Barkley, who's a pretty talented offensive weapon. But right. I was looking forward to seeing, you know, Odell and between him and, you know, Saquon start to really move that organization back in the right direction. And it's unfortunate that that's, you know, this, this trade happened, but I think both teams are going to get, they got good compensation for it. And okay. Or at least the Giants did. Their fans are probably like furious. Yeah, I think a little. I, but I think they're he probably a, trying. He to, was so much drama, dude. 
Yeah. He was a... I don't know. The, was he a... Was he Antonio Brown drama, though? Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. I, Who was... Remember, was it... What corner was it that he kept fighting with? It was probably the same one from the Broncos. Akib Talib. Akib Talib? Yeah. If it was him... Or no, it was Josh Norman. Him and Josh Norman. Remember? Yeah. Okay. I guess, like... He, I guess he, I took so the, dr- just, the drama comment in maybe the wrong context. Like, I don't know that there was team drama with him. Oh, he's not a bad locker room. Guy. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he, well, he does the thing on the on the sidelines. He's got the like emotional outburst. Oh you yeah. Know? Wasn't there a net, a kicking net? He was fighting. Yeah, There's a big there meme been, yeah. about all that crap. That's what I mean. Is that he's like, I want to win so bad. I'm gonna throw yeah. a massive bit of brand. <laughs> it's like, that's not. I don't know. The wide receiver position, have you noticed this? It's always the wide receivers that are the diva. It's always the wide receiver. Yeah. They and it's like, dude, little bit. You don't block on the majority of your routes. You I mean, I I'm not talking like anyways. I'm going to cut that part. You Go don't ahead. have to. No, you don't have to. I think I, I kind of like this conversation. I would also say that like Le'Veon's a bit of a diva. I mean, the guy, the guy Next turned down. Line the, the, are the running back? They're <laughs> always the ones who got the off the field stuff going on. They're getting suspended, or they're getting, you know, yeah, kicked off the team, or whatever. Like, yeah. Next is the running backs. Mm-hmm. It seems D tackles get in trouble. And then I was going to flip it to the defensive side of the yeah. ball. It's like, the I think yeah, I mean, it's just like people, people are people. You know, people are people. They have a lot of money and. It's there's when you, you know, have that you kind have of the money. Nation in the world yeah. is throwing cameras in your face 100 percent of the time, and they're like, for sure. So you're like, this is my life. This is so important. But what I mean, and Odell's young. He's young. Yeah. So it's more of like I'm the type of guy who doesn't like the distraction, and I'm also the type of guy who like Richard Sherman was my favorite player, and I could tell when it was like, okay, no one's gonna put up with this anymore. No matter right. no matter his numbers now, it's so awkward. Yeah that what you're doing that it doesn't make any sense so i felt that same way with Odo beckham jr yeah but now he's going to the browns and i hope he tears it up yeah no i <laughs> do too i'm I th- i'm on the browns train yeah. right we're, like, we're, we're browning we're browning i think we were talking about getting an odell beckham jr jersey and a jarvis landry jersey and we're gonna take it back to high school like they did yeah i might <laughs> i might go baker mayfield but, oh man baker okay but you know did you see Steve Harvey ribbing on all the NFL players? I haven't. They what was the, what did he say? What was the sports award show that just happened? Was the ESPYS or something like that? There was some some sports Sounds award right. show. Steve Harvey's was MC. It was so funny. I'll figure out a way to post the link in the description so people can watch. But he tore all of the NFL players apart. And it's mind you, it's like AFC or conference championship time, or it might be Super Bowl time. And so everybody's there. Aaron Rodgers is front row. Like everybody's there. <laughs> and he made so much fun of these guys. So much fun. He's, he's accusing them of like, you know, I know why you're all here. I know why. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, of course, you guys haven't thought of having that dude killed yet. <laughs> <laughs> all this money in this room. Oh, man. But anyways, I thought it was hilarious. And then he was making fun of them that they don't know how to clap for people because everybody's been clapping for them their whole life. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, that's it's, that's not far from the truth. I, I, I love it. I was a Steve Harvey fan beforehand. 
and I definitely am now. So we'll, Family Feud, man. Yeah, he's a he's he's a favorite. But anyways, wow, I'm I'm going way off. But Spiderwebs. He was talking about Baker Mayfield. He was he was super stoked on him too. Yeah. No, the whole, I mean, they're the the Browns made some moves. They are clearly you know doing away with the stigma Browns that have had all these great like high draft picks for the last however many years and they're trying to put together a team and I think they do they've got a a kid who's young competitive and hungry at quarterback they went and got Jarvis Landry last year they made the move for Odell Beckham Jr. this year they did a good job drafting Nick Chubb they added Kareem Hunt who we know obviously is going to be suspended for half the season but if you're adding a Kareem Hunt for the last eight games of the season and you've got a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield on top of a Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., David Njoku, who's probably one of the best young tight ends statistically. There's just a lot of weapons that they have on the offset. I see here you they added Yeah, and on well, and they also traded I think it was a few days before they Odell Beckham Jr. They traded um they made a trade with the Giants for Olivier Vernon. Okay. And sent they're one of their best offensive linemen, and I think he's actually pull up that article there on Kevin Zeitler, who the Browns oh, right. sent to the Giants in exchange for Olivier Vernon. They also uh, swapped some picks. I think they, the Giants, the Giants get a fourth rounder, and then sent their fifth back to Cleveland. Circle back on it if we were wrong. Okay, for next episode, but. Kevin Zeitler, I think, graded out as Pro Football Focus's rankings. He graded out as the number six offensive guard, I believe. Yikes. And if you look at if you go back up and look at that chart, those of you that like some analytics and what the Giants got in exchange for sending Olivier Vernon to the Browns, Kevin Zeitler had he graded out on Pro Football Focus having a ninety one point seven pass blocking grade, which was the best among all NFL guards in 2018. He allowed one pressure per 58 snaps. And he was light years ahead of the next guy in line in that specific category. So he's the guy. The guy. He allowed only 11 total pressures last season. He's a, he's a solid stupid. guard. And they're trying, they need to be able to protect Eli. Um, and also they're trying to, they got to get that run game going for Saquon. So I think it's a really good move for the giants. They part ways with a guy who's kind of aging in Olivier Vernon, but that makes the Browns D line better, which was their biggest gap on in any probably part of between offense and defense. That was probably their weakest part of the team. And then they added Sheldon Richardson in free agency. It's just to top it off on the defensive end. So, no, those guys will pair with Miles Garrett, and I believe, I can't remember how you pronounce the guy's name, Abjugawani, or he's a defensive tackle. I'm spacing on his name, but they'll be better on the defensive line. They've got some good young linebackers. Oh, man, if any of those guys pan out, then. And then their their secondary secondary will will be better, too. So it's it's gonna be fun to see the the Browns. Yeah. Um, again, I just like to see the AFC in general 
balance out and get some more right get some more competition for because i mean every conference in the nfc is competitive within itself you know what i mean like it's so competitive within itself and it's just i don't see that on the afc aside from like a couple i mean there are maybe maybe two divisions as of today i believe they're favorites to win the north now which makes sense. I get makes it. Makes sense. And I would Pittsburgh go as far as saying they've got to be a top four team in the AFC. I would. I would on paper not argue that for sure. Pats or against that, I wouldn't. Argue I'd say Pats. That. Yep. Chiefs. Yep. And the Chiefs have lost a few players, so Pats, Chiefs. But they're still good. Wow, the Colts are going to be better. I think. Oh, okay. I don't know that they're like top four in the AFC, but I think they might be. And Texans are probably still going to be pretty good. Yeah, the Texans will still be good, but they've lost some players too. They have. Mm-hmm. Well, Honey Badger left. That we'll talk about that in a few. Okay. Didn't um, know that. That sucks. Uh, but I think the Browns have to have to be up there in the conversation for like a potential. Like if they put it together on the field, they're probably going to be in the running for an AFC championship. I mean, again, wouldn't be they've surprised got to, they've if got, you see that. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Again, it's very early. They haven't even started training camp. They've got to put it together as a team. Yeah. And they gotta stay healthy. So Yeah. All right. Let's let's keep it rolling. The bit the other big name, one of the other big names. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell to the Jets in New York. He left the Steelers as well. We'll get to Antonio Brown, I'm assuming. Yeah. So big signing for the Jets. Um I actually had a client that I was talking to earlier this week as a Jets fan, and he's like, yeah, man, it's awesome. It's the first time that the Jets have been talked about in free agency in the offseason for like the last 20 years. It's incredible. And I'm like, well, you also added C.J. Mosley. That's pretty cool, too. Looking back at like the whole holdout with Le'Veon and everything, it totally makes sense to me. He had to do that because he needed like the Steelers were only willing to give him like a one year deal at what, 14 million, 15 million, something like that. And he turned it down and I get it because what happens if yeah you get that money but you get hurt now what who's going to sign you and what are they going to sign you for so he did a, I mean he sat out an entire season but he's, he's got hurt. less he's less he's got less mileage on him yeah. now he probably feels and, amazing and that was an insurance policy for getting you know I mean the, the deal that he got like he's he's it was a smart move at the end of the day, I think, for him. And we'll see if it pans out. I mean, he's going to be, you know, next to a young Sam Darnold. Are the Jets going to win that, right? win in that division with him? Yeah. It might be an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, team. We'll see. Maybe he makes them a lot better than they are. Because they're playing against the Patriots. Yeah, Pats, Dolphins, Bills. Bills. I would say they're the second best team in that division. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Miami's better. I don't know. They're all, I don't know, though. Where'd they end last year? Because I feel like Miami's always supposed to be better. Oh, they're supposed to be, but everybody leaves after they go down and party for a few years and realize that Miami's just a... Like, wait a minute. Bad place to go play football. We've seen seen the uh, hit series ballers. We know. (laughs) It's just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Trey Flowers, 
Yeah, Trey Flowers got deal with the Lions, so he reunites with Matt Patricia, his former D coordinator when uh, Patricia was with New England. That's a, an exciting signing for the Lions. <clears throat> Landon Collins signed with the Redskins. I wish that Seattle would have been more involved in the talks for Landon Collins, but yeah, I didn't. Free safety. Yeah, I, knowing that Earl was, you know, kind of going to be out of the picture, but then. He went and got the like most money that any safety's ever been paid. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I guess this makes sense somehow. That's why they did. This is this is why the Seahawks had no intention of going after Landon Collins. I thought for sure that they would be active in. But they might as well have just signed Earl if they were going to do that. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that they were maybe going to go. Okay, well, you know, Tyra Matthew. Maybe they would be in the be in the you know, talks for him. There's a lot of safeties on the on the free agent market. Lamarcus Joyner was another one that I thought, well, maybe we can, you know, patch things together. But who's playing free safety for the Hawks now? Uh, well, I think it'll be McDougald for now, Bradley McDougald, and then maybe they'll sign or I think that they they're still high on a lot of the guys that are been waiting in the wings in the, in and, the ranks. and they're younger. And they very well could draft someone early, you know, at that position. And I was asking, um, I it, depending on when I just cut from where we just started and left. Uh, I was asking Trev about our starting secondary. Anyways, y'all don't need to know about it. All right, <laughs> <clears throat> Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick. Tricky <laughs> Nick Foles. Got his four-year, $88 million contract. Is he worth it? I think he'll be better than Bortles. I guess if you're the Jags, yeah. Is he worth it? I just at, I, like, I, I want to know if they're going to put enough tools around him for him to succeed. It seems like one of those big-money quarterback contracts that don't amount to the franchise taking a significant turn. You know what I'm saying? I, it's like when it's like a, I'm, I'm blanking on an example. Well, well, look at the Jags. They went to like the AFC Championship with one of the best defenses in the league, and then the following year they just fell apart. Yeah, What's like completely fell apart. There's parity in the NFL, a lot. Yeah, I mean there can be. Look at the Browns. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, an, two years ago, it's a flip side. you know, people, I mean, even, I think after this last season, there was a little more faith. Yeah. Just based on what, like, Baker was able to accomplish, the guys that they brought in, the talent that they, but, like, I, I looked at that situation for Nick, and I just, I hope that they can put pieces around him. I mean, we'll he's, see. he's, he's, yeah, we'll see. He's, he's, he's got a Super Bowl, so... I get, yeah, he does. All right, the Raiders, they were busy. They were very busy. In addition to making the trade for Antonio Brown, which let's talk about that for a quick second. How in the world, after dealing Khalil Mack to the Bears and getting, what, a couple first-round picks in return? And then did, for they that, sent their how, receiver, how, too. How, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the Amari Cooper deal. 
That's completely different, though, right? I know, but they they had Amari Cooper and they had Michael Crabtree. Like they had a one and a two, like two years ago. You know? Oh what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. No, they were set at wide receiver. I want to know how the heck the Raiders were able to pull off that deal for Antonio Brown and only had to give away a third and a fifth round pick. That is just insane to me. I don't know, man. When the when the Giants had to turn around and give a heck of a lot more. Or, uh, or the Browns had to give a heck of a lot more to the Giants for Odell Beckham Jr. Now, there is like a five-year difference between the two. So I get, I get the age side of it. You know, yeah. Antonio Brown's on the wrong side of 30. I get it, yeah, for sure. But it just goes to show that like the Steelers were probably so fed up with oh, the Antonio yeah, like, Brown. Get this guy out Yeah, here. like let's get him out of here. Yeah. We'll take a bag of peanuts yeah. at this point. And yes, please go to the Raiders. Yeah. And then that's also like on the Raiders side of that. They're making that move because they got to sell tickets when yes. they move to Vegas. Yeah. And that's a perfect move for that. Yeah. But they also signed, they were busy. They signed Trent Brown, offensive lineman, who was with the uh, Patriots. That'll be a, that's a big. That's a big move for him. I think they give him like $66 million or something like that. Yeah. For four years. Or, I don't know. It's quite a bit of money. Fact check. Um, <laughs> and then LaMarcus Joyner. Signed safety LaMarcus Joyner. I mentioned him earlier on in the podcast. Thought that that could be a guy that ended up in Seattle. Not the case. So the Raiders were busy too. Gruden is now teamed up with Mike Mayock. As the general manager, they got Reggie McKenzie out of there because he was just not doing just it, destroying things. So the Raiders were busy, and then the Chiefs uh, signed the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. That helps. Eric Berry's gone because of this. Okay. So they they subsequently turned around and I think cut Eric Berry, or released him the very next day after they signed him. Okay. And that was kind of expected. Because, based on what I read, when they signed Tyron Matthew, it was almost like nail in the coffin. They're probably going to part ways with Barry, who's battled some injuries over the last couple of years. As we know, he battled cancer and made the comeback. But, um, yeah, he's kind of had a tough go his last couple of years. I, I would totally be fine with the Seahawks taking a flyer on that guy because Bradley McDougal can play strong safety okay maybe get a healthy Eric Berry see what he can do and if at the very least he'd be a team leader yeah he'd be that veteran out there oh for our Seahawk fans definitely excited about the uh signing of Mike Iapati offensive guard essentially what happened there is J.R. Sweezy went and signed with the Cardinals Mm -hmm. unfortunate to see J.R. leave he's been a integral part of Seahawks um, offensive line for quite some time and then he actually left and then came back mm-hmm. and really what it ended up being was a swap between us and the Cardinals but just through free agency not necessarily a trade like yeah but I'm excited about that when Ayapati's on the field because he has battled injury as well he's a mauler like the guy is the real deal and from what I can tell most people would say it's an upgrade as long as he's healthy from Sweezy. So, uh, and then they followed the Seahawks followed that with a uh, signing of DJ Fluker, mm-hmm. 
We also know that KJ Wright is actually staying, which we're super excited, super stoked, super stoked about. We thought that he was probably gone. Yeah, that yeah. Because now inside is locked down with Bobby and him, and they re-signed Michael Kendricks, even knowing that he might be insider trading. Yeah, stuff. he might be. Uh, so they must out. feel comfortable with what they know about that case. Like he must exactly be serving a small sentence, or maybe they're going to allow him to serve it after the season. Yeah, or postseason. I don't. I'm. I i do not know. But if he's back and on the field for at least say ten of the games, that's a stout linebacking core. Yeah. yeah. Um. He played at a very high level in the games that he played at or played in this last season in 2018. So. Yeah, KJ is huge to have locked down. That's amazing. And um, Fluker was that was that was Fluker. Awesome yeah, well. Fluker was big. Um, we got a new kicker. Yeah, we got everybody's it. stoked about the new kicker. <laughs> we cut him like two years ago, and now we're giving him money. I know. Guy, well, how much money did the guy get? Like four million a year? Yeah, he got it. He, people, some people are not very happy about that deal. That yeah, it's, it's um, it's kind of a head scratcher. But Kanikowski pulled his hammy in the playoffs, so <laughs> he's a younger guy, and he's not going to yeah, pull the, the hammy in the playoffs. I'm cool with him. Polish Prince should probably retire. Yeah. I think it's time for him to hang That's him what up. happens when you get done with the Seahawks and they've given you that like veteran half a year signing. Yeah. Time to go. But anyways. Myers went like 31 to 33, I think. Last year. That's 32 or 30 to 33. We'll fact check that too. But that's. Uh, but, and then like from extra points, I think he only missed two. I bet one of them was blocked. Yeah, that's fine. I hope that there's more signings to come, but yeah, if there's not, that's okay because we get compensatory picks out of it. Okay. So if five free agents leave and we only sign three, well, we're gonna get two compensatory picks for those in the draft. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's like, a, it's like a net, which is great because this year we don't have very many picks. So, which normally we've got a few stacked up. Do we don't have any first rounders? No, we do. We do. Right now, we have the 21st pick. I bet um, you they trade out oh, of that. Oh, they'll trade out. They'll trade out of it for sure. Sorry, I keep eating your red vines. No, man. That's why I brought them. When these things are fresh, they're the most delicious thing. On. These are so good. One time. Actually, I shouldn't say that one time. <laughs> I like to use them as a straw in my soda. That's how much of a sugar head I can be. That's sugary, man. I know. I'm with yeah. you though. I got like these. I got these. I got these mambas got right here. These mamba sours. Yeah, these things are delicious. Oh. Yeah, mambas are the business. I love mambas. Sometimes I think they're better than Starburst, but then I just like, you know. I would say they are, for sure. Yeah, maybe that's because they're not as common as Starburst. You can always get. Yeah, you, you sometimes you have to really look for mamba. Yeah. They're coming back, though. I think that they... Yeah. Those and uh, high chews. Oh, man. <laughs> People are going bananas over the high chews. It's crazy. They're good. Our buddy Steve always has a bag of them in his car. Yeah. Joseph and Kendry are manic over those things, dude. <laughs> and I'm always, like, fiending for them whenever they come around. I'm like, uh, I didn't know I want one, but now I do. 
It's like Beast Mode's, you know, obsession with Skittles. Yes. Yes. See how I just tied that back into the back podcast. Into so we're back. <laughs> Enough about candy. <laughs> um, I'm going to get another beer. Is there anything else we want to talk about on the Seahawks end or the free agency end? I think that's, that's um, pretty much it. There's obviously more signings in the works. Yeah, we'll be, um, we'll be able to update that. I guess that's all we'll be able to do on, on NFL talk for the next yeah. few months anyways. Well, and we'll get obviously closer to the draft. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. Yeah, there's a, there's some there's some I mean, the combine just happened and Yeah, we should the draft is always late April, right? I think it's going to be like the first weekend in May, but tip, Oh, it is. Yeah, they they've moved it back a little bit. We're going to have to figure out what we want to do for the April episode cuz the only thing I've got going on in April is I got the middle like the third weekend or week in it is work is just kind of crazy. Yeah. But um It'd be fun to try and coordinate some sort of, I know we were supposed to do something live for this one or whatever, but who cares? But it would be fun <laughs> to do, watch some games. It'd be fun to go live for a minute before we start the episode or like do the first half and we do it live. Yeah. So anyways. I'm down with that. I'm rambling now about that. I'm sorry. I'm going to get a beer. We'll take a little break. Sounds cool? good. Let's we'll start this over. All right, we're rolling. Let's hit, we'll hit. Because we went 40 minutes on that first one. We'll try and cruise through this for you guys. We won't get too long in this. But NBA playoffs, NBA's heating up. There's a little, we, we got to talk about LeBron, though. Trev brought up a kind of interesting thing. The whole drama with the trade for Davis from the Pelicans. Trev, take it away, Trev. Jeannie Buss is the owner of the Lakers. Yeah, so <clears throat> Jeannie Buss supposedly was like considering trading LeBron because his agent, Rich Paul, kind of stirred the pot with some drama around like the Anthony Davis trade talks. And they believe that like some of the interest in Anthony Davis was like pushed by Rich Paul. And it really, from lack of a better phrase, pissed off Jeannie Buss. So she like had this idea that she might just trade LeBron James, (laughs) which is, I guess, not necessarily bizarre, considering that they're not going to be a playoff team. Doesn't really look like he gels with anybody on that team. No, they're what eight games out of like eighth place right now. Yeah, I think. yeah, they're they're way back. I don't think that there's a chance, and they'd have to, they'd have to watch everybody in front of him crumble. Yes, and they'd have to win out. They might actually actually be mathematically eliminated already. I'm. I think they are. It'll be interesting to see how long he actually stays there. I'm kind of unless that they unless they can get like two other perennial superstars to go to LA or he can recruit them. Like KD, so my parlay with you can start yeah. to get a little better towards the needle. My end. All right, yeah, no, but you know what I'm Wish, wishful thinking, buddy. It is wishful. Wishful. I saw. And if, I saw and Kawhi and him could end up playing together. Again. Yeah, Kawhi could. I could see Kawhi end up, ending up out there. That'd be cool. Kyrie should just be like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. Let's do this again." Yeah, I don't see that happening. I. But that brings us to the next point. So we we, cause forget LeBron, forget the Lakers, and I'm gonna make it to the playoffs. We'll yeah. deal with them later. But Boston. My, I've been rooting for Boston for a couple of years now, and especially when Kyrie got there. Uh, but they do. I watched them when watching them play. 
they cannot they simply just aren't making their shots <laughs> you watch them and that's their yeah. only problem is just they're getting open they're playing good defense everything about them is working like they have they're like the lakers if the lakers were really working <laughs> and doing the thing like I, yeah they, to me they're similar teams but man they just they can't hit their shots yeah and i if i'm my memory suits me well i think they're if the season ended tomorrow, they'd be fifth in the playoff picture. So they play the four seed. Which I'm not worried about because yeah, without, their, without Hayward and Irving, they went deep in the playoffs with their young core. And, yeah. And I, I don't know. I love that team, man. I like Smart. I like Brown. I like uh, Tatum. They got, I, got like, I like their centers. It's just a fun team to watch. And then Kyrie, if Kyrie can be out there being as good as he can be. Yeah. And then you got, but anyways. So, but on the East, the Bucks, you, this is your note here, right? Yes. <laughs> I did. I was just kind of looking. Obviously, the Bucks are still first in the East. They still look strong. Um, they're actually the only team in the playoff picture that ranks in the top 10 for both offense and defense. Um, that's pretty, that's the pretty only nice. other team that comes close, oddly enough, is yours truly, the Houston Rockets. Gotcha. And since we've last talked, Corbin, the Houston Rockets yeah. have made quite the impression. And I want to bring that up right here because that is one of my standing corrected. <laughs> and so go ahead, Trev. No, I, I, um, I think the Bucks are, are going to absolutely be a, a force to be reckoned with in out of the east they're still the best team in the nba right now yep record wise and golden state has had quite a bit of a, a rough patch mm-hmm. they're moving, I, as of yesterday they were they squeaked well, they, they went, over they, the over houston right yeah as of yesterday they were five and five in their last 10 and today they spanked okc they took OKC to the cleaners. I mean, what's nice about right now is you're getting a lot of ideas of how the playoff matchups might mm-hmm. play out. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is there's up to seven games, so it's a completely different strategy. Right. But uh, yeah, Golden State's turning it around, getting momentum when they need it. Was he just wearing like a leather biker biker jacket? Like Steph Curry just like wears whatever he wants and gets away with it. Yeah, he makes like the craziest stuff look good. Yeah, I mean, all those guys, that's such a funny thing when they show them walking into the stadium in their outfits or the outfits they wear for their press conferences. Yeah. That stuff is crazy. But I was like in a Christmas time when they're wearing the like Christmas sweaters that like light up and it's like that was clearly a custom made item. Yeah. I couldn't find that in the on the internet if I tried. Right. You went to the same store Daft Punk went to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Golden State. Is that Pharrell out there? <laughs> Pharrell, yeah. Talk about making fashion statements. He he's made his with the hats and stuff. Oh yeah. Back with Daft Punk when they were doing that Get Lucky stuff. And and N E R D. Yeah. Golden State tearing it up, making a statement against Houston, and then back to back against OKC with the the Houston OKC win. So that's pretty big. Golden State. I'm I'm. And and I'll get to my standing corrected now is that Houston, I w- was talking like they don't really have anybody on that team besides Harden. They obviously have Chris Paul at point guard, and then somebody was injured. Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon. 
And so since then, since our last episode a month ago, I've been watching a lot of NBA and Houston's tearing it up and they're going to be a force. And honestly, I hope they finally go deep in the playoffs and make a freaking statement. Like, I hope this is their year. Tired of hard of being in the MVP conversation and then new, doing nothing in the playoffs. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's kind it of just gets, it, it just gets tough. I mean, Golden State's still going to be a force. Yeah. And, you know, they had the season where they won, like, what, 72 games or something like that? Yeah. Like, lost one every 10 games. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Anymore. Like, the, the West has become more competitive since in the last few years. If you're so good in the playoffs and you're so used to going all the way to the finals, like, do you really play the do you really play the regular season the same as other teams? Yeah, you know, yeah, like kind of how everybody talks about LeBron's playoff mode or whatever, engaging playoff mode and blah blah blah. That's what's wrong with Houston is that they don't know how to like they're tearing it up in the regular season, but teams like Golden State, the Spurs. These veteran teams that can eat Miami back in the day, like they shoot Miami this year. They might, yeah, hell, last man, I they looked, good. Last last I looked, they were going to be a playoff team. Yeah, so. they Miami is one of those teams that is like you want to watch just because like you just want to keep an eye on them because they yeah. they're pretty young. They got some. They got you want to see what stuff? Well, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see like Dwayne Wade make? like a run with just like guys around him again. Like yeah. he did when he was like going toe to toe with Dirk, Nowit- yes. Dirk Nowitzki in those Dallas series. Like those were fun to watch. That was that. Was, I say it all the time that oh, series with Wade. I could totally see, I could totally see Miami being a team this year that goes and like knocks off like a Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, first or, round, or, or messes with Boston or something, yeah, gives them a know, real gives, hard time. Gives, gives them a seven game series. Yeah. yeah, start earning some of that playoff experience, and you take that into next year. If you can keep the squad together, yeah. this is this is when it's so fun to watch NBA. This is the best time of the year to NBA. The snow's melting, sun's coming out. Yeah, they're actually playing defense, and maybe this is where I stand a little corrected too. Is the Sixers, I believe, are in the three spot now since the last time we Dang, talked. Dude. And I think I had mentioned on the last, maybe this will be like my circling back and standing corrected, but standing corrected. I think I might have mentioned that I didn't think that they were there. They could potentially make a run, but I didn't know that they were, you know, going to be the team that could have compete for the Eastern Conference Championship even though on paper they look very, very strong. So I'm going to say I think that they absolutely, absolutely will compete for um, an Eastern Conference championship and the opportunity to represent uh, the East so right in, the, in the finals. We'll run through the standings for you. The East, go ahead. Give it to we got the Bucks, Raptors. 76ers, the Pacers, the Celtics, Pistons, Nets, and Heat. If the season were to end tomorrow, those are the teams that are in. Yep. Um, interestingly enough, there's four teams right behind Miami. Yeah. So that last eight seed is going to be... Yep. And Brooklyn's a, a bad stretch away. Brooklyn and the Pistons are a bad stretch away from falling behind. Right. From six to seven, down to eight or right. out. So yeah, really, it's no man's land or anybody's game. Six seed down to eight, all the way to like 
Washington Wizards, Hornets, and Magic. That's fun, man. Well, and, and look at this. Look at this. Games back. The Miami Heat are 19 and a half games back from the Bucks. Go down to the West. Roll down. The worst team, the eight seed, is only eight games back from the Warriors. Yeah. That's how bad the East is. It's the sixth and seventh seed in the East wouldn't even make the playoffs in the West, you know? And you're like, yeah. ah. That's, but yeah, like take the Portland Trailblazers, for example. Exactly. Where would the Portland Trailblazers be if they were actually a, t- like a city located on the East Coast? I think that they're better than the Pacers. I think that they're the guarantee on par. Four. I, I, yeah, they'd start at four and they could be a two or three. And so that's the, that's the trippy part about all of this. And that's why conferences balance out because yeah. just, you need to be able to root for every division, both conferences. And then in the West. Yeah, West, we've got Golden State one, the Nuggets two, Houston three, Portland four, Oklahoma City it's five. San Antonio six, Utah seven, and the Clippers are eight. And 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 the eight seed is pretty much on lock because the Kings are fourteen games back, right. and uh, the Clippers are only eight games back. So the Kings have lost three in a row. Yeah, the um the fourth through the sixth seed look like there are all sorts of that that could flip around a little bit. Yeah, it could it could change. Portland could end up being the sixth seed, and Spurs could end up being the Just four. Just how bloody competitive the West is. Yeah, talk a little March Madness. Yeah, what we just saw the UW. Yeah, we were watching uh, before we uh, came out of the podcast. We were watching yeah. the uh, Pac-12 championship game between uh, the University of Washington and the University of Oregon. Pretty much a win, and you're in the tournament. And if you don't. You might get snubbed. UW's probably getting snubbed. Yeah, which is unfortunate because they have a, win- a pretty good winning record. But yeah, they were. You just you blow games against bad teams, and I'm not saying Oregon's terrible, but um, I don't think they're great. Right. Exactly. You're supposed to close out that Pac-12 conference champion. I think there's only um like three or four. Uh, conference championships that are decided tomorrow. Tennessee will play oh, Auburn. Tennessee will play Auburn for the SEC championship. Okay, the winner of that obviously is going to get an automatic bid. Tennessee will probably be in. Kentucky will will be in regardless. The way the bra- the tournament got um, set up for the SEC basically resulted in. Tennessee and Kentucky, who are the two best teams, playing in a semifinal game instead of the, the, the meeting in the final. So that stinks. We saw uh, Duke edge out a close win uh, against North Carolina yesterday after losing to North Carolina twice in the regular season. Zion Williamson is back. So to circle back on our podcast, our last podcast, uh, yep. that night he had actually gone down with that injury like 30 three seconds into the game or something like that and had since sat out until the conference tournament and came back and looked like the same Zion Williamson that we know. Which is great. Which is awesome. So nice. Happy for him. Yep. Glad to see that he doesn't, you know, need any sort of operation or procedure to get right before he gets drafted. 
So we, I see your note here is, have our picks changed? And thank goodness I wrote them down. Trev's were North Carolina, Nevada, Duke, and Kentucky. Mine are Tennessee, Gonzaga, Duke, and Iowa State. And in Iowa State, there's the ones who just beat Kansas, right? Is that what we were looking at? Yeah, Iowa State uh, knocked off Kansas tonight. So I'm glad I picked them. I'm going to stick with them. Obviously, we're both sticking with Duke because Zion's healthy, and that's what yeah. the conditions yeah. were. Um, you've got Kentucky, Nevada, North Carolina still. Do you, do you still got those guys, or what's up? Um, yeah, I'm sticking with Kentucky. I still think they're going to be a, a tough team in the tournament. Um, obviously they dropped a, you know, a game here today to, uh, Tennessee, which I believe is a pretty close game. Um, North Carolina, I think is still going to be a force to be reckoned with. Do we know where they're going to end up finally in their, in the East, West, Midwest? No. South? T- tomorrow, tomorrow's selection Sunday. Yeah. Oh, man. Look at that. Right now they got Auburn as a five seed against Murray State and John Morant. That'll be a fun 5-12 game. Keep your eye on that Because that Auburn team is sneaky good, too. Yeah? Yeah. Like, probably deserving of a five seed because they're ranked in the top 25 right now. But if they go and get crushed tomorrow by Tennessee, they might drop out of that five seed man that's like the worst five seed i think murray state could get matched up with i hope it doesn't end up being the case i because i i i want to see john Morant play throughout the i'd love to see him at least get to the sweet 16 he's just a dynamic player and that ohio valley conference deserves at least two teams in the tourney in my opinion belmont is another team that should get in that I could see mixing things up, but uh, John Morant, Murray State actually took care of him in the conference tournament. But the I think the Ohio Valley Conference definitely deserves two two teams in the uh, tournament. Cool. My Nevada pick. I think I'm going to change that. All right. They've, ha- they've had a rough go, and I just I don't know that I trust them. So I am going to ch- take. Out of the East, LSU. All right, I got to change my Tennessee. I got to pick Tennessee or Duke because they're both in the South. I guess that wasn't the case. Is that can that two change? SEC teams, two ACC teams? That's my final four. Okay. You got a mid-major in there, Gonzaga. It looks like I got to pick a new East team. Let's talk about that Gonzaga loss. Yeah, yeah, hit him up. I'm gonna pick a new team. You hit. You talk that. Um, do you think that it is better to have that happen in the conference championship game or in the regular season? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think it's better to happen in the conference championship because it does it affect their placement in the. It may or may not. The w- the way I look at it is, it's the last thing you remember. Yeah, for sure. So if you're not a mentally tough team, which I'm not saying they aren't. Yeah. I just think that, you know, they're the number one team in the nation, and they go and lose to St. Mary's, who you know, there's been kind of a rivalry there for years now, and anything can happen, come March. But so that was by far one of the worst games I think they've played 
in the last three, four years. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Norvell did not shoot well. Perkins looked awful. And I'm just, you know, I don't have anything against those guys. I think that they're great players, um, but they just didn't play well. Yeah. I think, okay, what if they played 50% better than that? Maybe they get through the first round. But it's just like, I think it's a really bad time for them to have that game happen. Yeah. Like, have that loss happen. I think that it would have been way better if they, maybe it'll fuel the fire and they'll go and win a national championship. I mean, look it at... Could, it could absolutely do that, too. Look at this, though. They win every game until Tennessee or North Carolina play them. And yeah, then and they those are, those are top... championship game. That, to me, shows that it doesn't matter where they go in the dance. They're going out because they can't handle the big games. And that's their only losses is the championship, and then you're out of, you're out of conference primetime game. Yeah. I mean, have you they played lost Arizona? By, so remember, they lost both of those games without, I believe, Killian Tilly. Okay. Which sucks. But then they but lost. But that's part but of then it. They, then, what if you they, lose one of those guys right before uh, the yeah. tournament? Yeah. No, I'm I'm going to I'm going to agree it's there. So, I don't know. I would be now that I now that I'm reevaluating things, I'm going to be surprised if Gonzaga goes far at all despite their record. I think that they can get out of the first two rounds. Think so? But I, yeah, but I, I do think that, and I'm not even saying the same game that they had against St. Mary's. I'm saying like they could play 50% better, but, and that, yeah, that's better. But, but you do that against a team in the Sweet 16 and you're going to lose. Exactly. I got to change my, I can't pick Gonzaga anymore, anyways, because I'm sticking with Iowa State. They're both in the, the West now. So does that change? constantly like the teams don't know what division of the bracket they're playing they in. they typically have a pretty good idea so like usually like basically now we'll know like tennessee shouldn't find you know expect to go play like in louisville for the first part of the tournament and yeah. then all of a sudden oh yeah actually we're sending you out to anna okay that because that's it seems typically like that doesn't yeah, typically that, that doesn't happen all right then i'm gonna go iowa state in the west I'm going to take North Carolina in the Midwest. I'm going to take, and then I'm going to keep Duke. So you're switching your pick from Gonzaga to North Carolina. No, I'm keeping Iowa State instead of. Out of the West. Yeah, instead of Gonzaga. I got to get rid of Tennessee because I'm keeping Duke. And then I'll take, help me out in the in the East, Trev. Who, who did you take? You took LSU? I took LSU. I'll take Kansas. Okay. In the Midwest, I got to take, uh, I think I want to take North Carolina with you. I'm okay with that. Cool. Be interesting to see that Buffalo team get a six seed. Houston's a dangerous team out of the Midwest, too. Let's get into the Mariners. We're at uh, 30 minutes on the second seg- uh, second part. So Okay. Key departures. Uh, Mariners, uh, sorry, whoa, hold on. <laughs> We're starting a whole new realm of discussion here, and I feel like I should Transitioning like, from March Madness to spring training and the Mariners. Wanted to do, uh, March is not only for college basketball right, and other sports, but uh, it is the start of spring training. 
And um, I felt like it was a great opportunity to highlight and remind everybody how much the roster has changed in Seattle over this offseason. Um, what looks to be a complete overhaul and rebuild um, by Jerry DePoto, our general manager for the Seattle Mariners. There's been some key departures. Virtually everybody that was a starter last year, which is sad to see because it looked like they were putting together a team that could compete, maybe make a playoff run. It's those pesky Oakland athletics that just screw us over every time. Uh, Aren't we their farm team? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I can say that. I'm spoken as a a clueless, ignorant, non-fan. Sorry. Continue. Most of you probably know, but some of the key departures uh, in Mariners offseason, Nelson Cruz, who uh, went and signed a one-year deal with the Twins, Gene Segura, who is part of uh, trade to the Phillies, Robinson Cano, who was part of a trade to the New York Mets, along with Edwin Diaz, who went to the Mets as well. James Paxton was part of a trade that sent him to the New York Yankees. Mike Zanino ended up in Tampa Bay as part of a trade. Ben Gamel uh, is gone as well. Guillermo Heredia and then Alex Colomay. All those guys were pretty much part of a trade and building the farm, so to speak, for Seattle and what we got in return. We did. We definitely got some major leaguers. What's the? Is that your key arrivals? Yeah, that's key arrivals. Um, so the only guy that actually like we lost, I believe. Maybe I'll stand corrected in this next podcast. Maybe I won't. But uh, pretty sure the only one that wasn't part of a trade was Nelson Cruz, who signed elsewhere. So sad to see some of those guys go. Big names. But I, I still feel like optimistic about what Jerry DePoto is doing here. He brought in some very young talent, rebuilding the farm. We've got some, some really good prospects that are coming our way. The key arrivals are Malik Smith, uh, who came from the Atlanta Braves, who'll likely be our starting center fielder. Um, Domingo Santana, who will likely start in left field, I believe. A really big bat, who's had, and he's having a great spring training. Uh, J.P. Crawford, who came uh, by way of that Phillies trade that Gene Segura was involved in. Justice Sheffield, who came over from the Yankees. I believe he was their number two prospect number one or number two prospect he's a pitcher that's pretty sweet he'll probably be a starting pitcher maybe by the end of this season they might use him in a like a long reliever uh role to like start him out but he's i mean he's projected to be a starting starting pitcher for us in the near future Omar Narvaez is our new catcher who will manage the games behind the plate. Uh, We got Jay Bruce, who's an old trusty steed. (laughs) Came over in the Mets deal, I believe. Anthony Swarzak, Edwin Encarnacion, and Yusei Kikuchi. That Kikuchi guy uh, was signed. um, He's probably, he was one of like the top, you know, every year in the offseason, there's like a top, you know, pitcher or prospect that comes over from Japan. Okay. He was like that guy, this one of those guys this year. So we signed him on like a three year, 40 some million dollar deal. Nice. He's penciled in right now to be our number two starter. And I don't know if that's saying much. I don't know. 
they're moving Felix Hernandez to like the five spot. So a guy who used to be our ace is kind of deteriorating and will probably be I mean, a four or five guy this year. Homeboy threw the ball for us since he was like 19. 19, yeah. So, you know, all, all good things must come to an end. Yes. But some, some young talent. I mean, if, I think I pulled it up and I was looking at it. And we are now like the second youngest team as far as a 40-man roster goes. Yeah, so that's like our projected opening day roster. Omar Narvaez behind the plate, Ryan Healy at first base, D. Gordon at second base, Kyle Seeger at third base, J.P. Crawford shortstop, Domingo Santana at left field, uh, Malik Smith center field, Haniger, Mitch Haniger at right field, and, and then Edwin Encarnacion potentially in the D.H. spot. Um, he <laughs> Interesting story there. He was part of a trade, and they were like sure that they were going to turn around and flip him else, like send him elsewhere. And he's just sort of been in Seattle ever since. And I'm pretty sure that they actually like called him into like, I think Depoto had a conversation with him. It was like, hey, we're trying to trade you. <laughs> so, um, which it's interesting because I've looked at his spring training stats and he's batting like 129. So. <laughs> We might get stuck with him, <laughs> but the good news is, is the guy drops bombs. He hits big home runs, strikes out a lot too. Can I say that he's going to be as good as Nelson Cruz for us? I don't know. Probably not. He's aging, but he he's that type of guy that, you know, he'll, if you're given the opportunity over the course of the season, he'll hit at least 25 home runs, if not more, uh, probably more. And if, He's in that DH role every day. But they do have a kid by the name of Daniel Vogelbach that we got from the Cubs a few seasons ago in a trade. And he's really come into his own. He's having a pretty good spring training. We'll likely get the opportunity to DH. He did at the very beginning of last season um, and then got sent back down to AAA to just kind of work out some kinks. And I think that he could be a guy that replaces... You know, if we flip Edwin Encarnacion or trade him somewhere else, you know, that could we got we've we've got some we've got some we've got some reserves. Jay Bruce might actually act as a designated hitter, so I think that the DH spot might actually be like platooned, and I also think the first base position will also be platooned. Like Ryan Healy will probably play it most days, but Vogelbach technically can play first base. Jay Bruce can probably play first base even though he's naturally an outfield. So okay. between first base and like the DH spot, I think that that'll get platooned by those guys and we'll see. I what I like is that they're going young, right? Yeah. They're trying they're trying to rebuild in a way and and have this team grow together. So that's that's what's exciting. Uh I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but I'm not here to, you know, pump pump this team up at all no no um, we're I'm, just I'm, 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 yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm an optimist and we'll say that they still win 87 games this year okay maybe i'm being generous there that's just a little we're, yeah we're, it's a, it's a little over five it's, it's it's a little over 500 yeah that's fine i don't think that's that much to ask i mean hopefully hopefully they finally catch a freaking break and all of these the the potential starts to pan out yeah and everything connects because that's from the outsider looking in 
it sounds like what happens to the Mariners over and over again is that the pieces they put in play never fire at the same time. Right. They're, the Pistons are not firing together. Well, and... Like, does, is that true? Like, when, yeah, this, when think, the stud think... comes in, like, he might be pulling his weight, but the supporting cast isn't there yet, or if the supporting cast has potential, they don't have any, you know, right. closing pieces. Well, and then, like, I'm just looking at, like, some of the guys that left. Specifically, I'll look at like a guy like Mike Mike Dunina. top prospect, out of call. Like, I think I actually made been out of high school. We'll have to fact check that too. <laughs> My bad. And that, but Mike Zanino was like drafted extremely high in the first round, and he spent very little time in the minors. Okay, like he was behind the plate for the Mariners in a very short amount of time in in my opinion and i don't necessarily think that that helped mike zanino yeah he got sent back down to triple a but then he got called back up and then he you know really for the better part of a few seasons sat there and batted right around the mendoza line for us for those of you who don't know what the mendoza line is it's batting like less than 215 which is not a great batting average what's a good what's a good average I mean, if you're batting 260 to 270, you're, you know, acceptable. Accept- it depends on what you do, though, with that okay. batting average. Like, if you bat 260 and you can't provide me with more than 10 home runs, then you better be providing me with at least 50 stolen bases or a plus, or a plus, like, you know, glove in the outfield. Gotcha. Multifaceted. Yeah. Multi, like, if you if you're not good in this category, you're good somewhere else. Like, yeah. a, a good batting average is 300. Okay. Right? That's I mean, if you bat over 300, that's your goal. Like, but there's still not a lot of guys that do that. Yeah. Right. There's guys that'll bat 275, right, which is ex- an acceptable batting average, and they hit 100 RBIs and maybe 25 to 30 home runs. Okay, you can bat 270. Like you provide me with those kind of numbers from an RBI and home run standpoint, you I have no problem with you batting two seventy five. So Gotcha. I love it. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's how I'm gonna learn baseball. <laughs> right there. Just tell me the numbers. Don't just ask me, ask other people. Yeah. No, I I will. I, I just okay, I'll I'll talk to my grandmother in law. She's she likes the Mariners. And then there's guys that'll bat like over three hundred. Maybe the bat like 310, 315, 330, but they only hit four home runs a year. They'll score like 100 runs for you um, because they're a leadoff batter. They swipe 40, 40 plus bases. So they're a speedster, you know. They get the game moving. They get the game, yeah. And they can hit well. They can put the ball in play, but they just don't hit for power. Yeah. You know, they're they're a small ball choking poke. That's dope. All right. Anything else on the on the you got a Domingo Yeah, so I, I mentioned this earlier, but I I'll circle back on it. Domingo Santana looks he looks like he looks good in spring training. He had a really good campaign in twenty seventeen. So I'm thinking that, you know, he had another twenty seventeen campaign. He would he would definitely be a nice piece in the outfield for us. Again, we're replacing guys like Nelson Cruz, Gene Segura, Robinson Cano. Those are big, 
you know, big names. And you now, obviously, you know, with the performance enhancing drugs, yeah, you know, pop last year didn't didn't have a a ton of uh, didn't contribute a ton last season, but he certainly has in the past. He, people know what he's capable of. He's still a a good baseball player, and will provide the Mets with you know run support and a good bat in their lineup. So you're replacing a lot of these guys with, yeah, question marks, but young talent. You say Kikuchi will be our second starter. I'm hoping that that pans out and maybe we got a diamond in the rough in that deal. I wanted to just highlight that spring training is underway. We're just a few weeks away from opening day, which is always nice. fun. That's fun, man. That's yeah. cool. I'm I'm gonna get into it, man. That I can't have a sports show and not watch all the sports. Honestly, if we're talking about them, I need to pay more. Try well, to watch Well, and the great thing basketball. about baseball is you can sit basketball. back and drink a few beers and just. Yep, that's eat. what everybody tells me. It's BS like we're doing right now, and yep, that's and then you it, could miss the first three innings of, and it's still zero zero. Yeah, that's cool, and it's not like soccer where you're like tense the entire time. Right. All right. All right. Let's bounce right into this. I want to start this off with um. Uh, something my brother-in-law sent me a clip uh so what happened ufc london happened today um it happened at 1 p.m pacific time because it was over in london and i might i might and the main event was darren till versus jorge masvidal yeah a cuban who some might know as the backyard fighter associated with acts like kimbo slice correct go watch what happened because <laughs> Darren Till, whose last fight was for a belt, right? Right. Against Tyron Woodley, who just lost his belt, but that's another day. Darren Till's a beast. He's a huge welterweight. Like, yeah. Like, number two contender. And Masvidal, after him and Darren beat the crap out of each other for the first round. Right. Like, three minutes into the second round, just knocks Darren out. Yeah. Like, like clean. Clean. And then I think he got it was the, the knockout became worse because of the way that his head just snapped yeah his right head off, like Darren off of the off bodied of falls back as Masvidal still clipping him yeah. you know two or three more times I always like to call him George yeah even it's Jorge technically but I always like to call him George um, that was after he got George was getting dropped yeah. in the first round Darren was not Darren was not in bad shape. Until no. that moment, like yeah. literally, it was the fastest. And, he, and I think a few times he actually like got socked pretty good by yeah. Jorge. Oh yeah, they were clipping and, each other. And he was like, you know, he kind of signaled, "Hey, I'm all right. Hit me again. Hit me again." Like maybe he's just acknowledging the connection, but also saying, "I'm right." Still here. And they, it, it was cool after the first round when they when they like broke and the first round ended. They, you know, both touched gloves after they that. They were class like, the yeah, whole. Yeah, they had a lot of respect for each other. Yeah. It was cool because you look at Darren as this, you know, hoodlum from London and then Jorge Masvidal, backyard brawler, bare knuckle fighter. Mm-hmm. Generally, you don't expect them to like not talk crap to each other, not, yeah. not have a problem with the. Yeah. But they were super cool the whole time. And I'm sure they both gained a bunch of fans from all of this. But George, man. Yeah, and he was the smaller guy. He's older by like eight years minimum. You know, yeah. Just Jorge's coming off of he lost to Wonder Boy, which Wonder Boy sniped him up in that fight, and then he also lost right before that to Maya. And 
So, Which is tough because if you get around, the thing about George is he has he has a ground game, right? Like he he yeah. I mean, he's choked guys out. Yeah. He's submitted guys. He's a well-rounded fighter. And you get on the ground with a guy like Damian Maya, good freaking luck. Like yeah, there's only a few other guys that you know I would put him in a grappling match against that would I'd feel confident in saying give him a run for his money, but. You just can't do that. Even if you are a Brazilian jiu-jitsu like black belt, Damian Maia is going to eat you apart on the ground. Yeah. So I'm sure that that's probably what happened. I'd have to go back and watch that fight to remember. But um, that's what happened. My my wrapped him up. So anyway, so Masvidal does this stunning victory, right? Mm-hmm. The co-main event is Leon Edwards, another Gunnar Nelson, yeah. and Gunnar Nelson, another welterweight bout. Leon Edwards is another dude from England and he was him and Darren got into a bunch of arguments about like who should have been the co- main event and yada 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 except if you're a double digit in the rankings I don't think you should be a main event you know what I'm saying like nah, that's yeah. 100% co-main material guy totally anyway so they get into tell them tell them what happened Trev and so, then I'll play this yeah, so, so, yeah so right after um the fight um, Jorge Masvidal was backstage. He was being interviewed. Um, like by, he's supposed to be. Like, like he's supposed to be. Won the won the fight still in, in, in his stunning UFC, fashion. He's still in his UFC garb. Yeah, he he's, doesn't have he's, shoes on. Yeah, he doesn't have shoes on. He's still in his trunks. Uh, has a you know uh, his shirt on. Is being interviewed by an ESPN reporter. Um, and then as he's being interviewed. He, uh, it appears that someone's walking past him. Um, that individual was actually Leon Edwards and said something almost like interrupting and distracting Jorge from like the interview. The interview. He's saying this as he's walking away. And <laughs> uh, George just says, uh, well, maybe. And then Leon Edwards says something back yeah we can't hear you can't really see is george's face oh yeah all you can see is george like walk away from the reporter and says hey come back here and say that again and shalantly like with his nonchalantly with his like hands behind his back he has no shoes on just approaches him in the most polite way possible backstage and as soon as he gets close enough throws like a four punch combo just teeing off on leon edwards it was absolutely what I would call hilarious. It was great. It, it was, was a pretty, show after a show, man. It was the encore. And I was actually talking to, I was talking to about this earlier today. Shout out to. I'm going to bleep that out, though. That's what's funny about us saying people's names. If I don't get their permission, I'm going to bleep it out until they like fine. it. Okay. That's fine. It's fun to bleep stuff out, honestly. It is, it is kind of fun. Can you earmuff it for me? Yeah. Um, Don't celebrate it, Frank. <laughs> I asked, I go, how long do you think Jorge Masvidal is going to be suspended for due to that? And he goes, well, it has to be as long as Habib. And I go, well, wait a second. I think the reason why Habib got suspended for as long as he did is because that ordeal happened in front of the entire crowd. Immediately after the fight was Imme- called. Immediately after the fight was called. It didn't have to do with the same person that he had fought in the ring. This is a 
It, this was like a completely separate yeah. individual that fought earlier on the card. Right. Not against George or Jorge Masvidal. Right. Wasn't in the main event. It was. Well, if you're going to suspend, I'll say this. The you're going to suspend Jorge. And I like how we keep going back and forth between George and Jorge because we both have been doing it. But if you're going to suspend George, you're freaking better suspend Kamaru Usman. Like him and Colby Covington had a bunch of randomness in a Vegas Vegas casino in the middle yeah. of a bunch of poor tourists who are not in any condition to be dancing around a professional fighter. Right. So anyways, I just, I, I, I agree with you. Like George is in the middle of an interview. I, re- I used to have issues with George like back in the day. I yeah. didn't know how well, he felt. History. I didn't, yeah, there's history. I, I didn't know that I, I, I just didn't know how I felt about him as a fighter. I thought that he was really arrogant, cocky, talk too much hadn't really beat anybody that was a top top contender he's grown on me though i think that i <laughs> well that that whole thing right there yeah i mean Derek lewis with his my balls was hot like <laughs> yeah that right there jorge is one of those guys that once people start to understand everything that comes with him yeah and where he comes from and then stuff like that like the co-main comes around like already had a shower cleaned up already won yeah. their fight feeling good and gets tagged up by the guy in no shoes or socks in the middle of an interview who just had a fight i mean darren till and, and, and were and, and, the crap out of each other and then obviously clarifies that the guy was said you know talking about fighting him in july and yeah and then george goes on to say well maybe i don't want to maybe i don't want to wait until july to kick your ass like Maybe you're not even worth the training camp because you're a scrub. Like, yeah. it's just so funny because, yeah, George is right. Like, I don't need to fight you. And go find my, the my video next. Of my it. next fight is probably Tyron Woodley. Yes, his next fight is not a double-digit ranked dude. Who I mean, Leon was ranked twelfth, right? Fighting Something no, he like, was ranked tenth, fighting the number twelfth. Right. Like he just beat a dude ranked lower than him. Right. And so, so he's and he so he's waiting for like the nine or the eight to like yeah, you, screw up. Or best case scenario, you get three through five, and then you yeah. feel really good. But like, what happened to the number two was the most ridiculous knockout we've seen, definitely in 2019, arguably from last year as well. Right. I haven't seen somebody so cold out of their lights, and then after when they when it's done. And the ref's sitting there and trying to wake him up and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they were bringing out an oxygen mask, like everything. The dude didn't move for a while. He was breathing, but he wasn't waking up. Yeah. It was definitely on the line, along the lines of like the Nganu yes. over, over a yes. knockout. It was like, like we're, that everybody's upper- worried. Yeah. Like, uh, is he okay? Like, is this guy going to actually like wake up? Yeah. Talk about, that was the number two contender just fought for the belt. The, the belt holder just got his ass kicked too by Kamaru Usman in that last UFC card so welterweight is looking wonderful right now I like it yeah I I think that um unless like something happened with Woodley where he just didn't want to fight anybody but Kamaru or Covington and just waits to see who is the loser of that to see if he can avenge or get back to, you know, where he was before. I think that he probably has to fight like George. Like I think that'd I think be a that, great I, fight. I think that Woodley and Mosby would 
I don't know if they already have or not. We'd have to go back maybe in I'll the go ar- look. archives. I don't, so. I don't think they have, but but yeah, that was <laughs> it's always fun to see some sort of like drama unfold after, you know. Well when in that fashion but I, I felt bad for like, you know, you're taking the spotlight away from a guy like that. Don't he, he just he deserves a lot more respect than that. Just because you're in your home country doesn't give you the right to go and like well, yeah, that's the thing is you, I mean, the fans will see through that kind of stuff. Like, it's the same thing Cody Garbrandt was doing to Dominic Cruz. Like, you go out and you find the people that you want to make a bunch of, like, noise about. And and then what, though? Because now what yeah. happened is you definitely got outsmarted in that scenario. You got tagged up in front of everybody. And now everybody likes George way more than Leon Edwards. Yeah. So, yeah, Masvidal is 34 years old. Yeah. Before the last two losses to Maya and Thompson, he knocked out Saron, knocked out Ellenberger, beat Ross Pearson. He's lost, lost to Ayakinta. That would be a fun fight. I mean, you go look at this guy's resume. He's been fighting since the dawn of time. Oh, long time. I saw him fight live. Yep, 2013. Dude has 46 fights for his mixed martial arts professional record. Yeah, yeah and he, he kind of like has that takes that same approach that cowboy does like i'll yeah. fight on i'll yeah. fight on a week's notice if you let me yeah clearly he was he was ready to just oh beat, man beat the hell out of leon edwards earlier tonight yep yep all right so that's that i think what we're going to try and do for the mma stuff is we'll just chat about what's really happening and we'll probably only talk about main events anymore and we'll just do that that was fun i enjoyed that and then the next big ufc coming up that's of note is Stephen Thompson and Pettis are going to fight on ESPN. Barboza and Justin Gaethje's, that's a freaking great fight too. But the main, the pay-per-view that's the big one, Holloway versus Poirier too. Max Holloway is a Hawaiian fighter. He's a lot of our favorite fighters. That's a crazy good fight. Yeah, and on that same card, for because uh, that's for the interim title. Yep. Uh, another interim title fight. Um with uh, Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gasolin. I like how they organize this. Look, I can just slide between the fights. Yeah, it's pretty nice. That's sweet. Yeah, that's a good card for sure. You got it. You got the cards are in Nashville, Tennessee, Philadelphia, and then Atlanta. So we'll have three regular timed. It'll be at 7 p.m. when the main card starts. So March 23rd, March 30th, April, it said it earlier, April 13th. For uh, UFC 236. Watch those though. <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention about this uh, conversation. <laughs> uh, right after George. <laughs> right after George teed off on Leon Edwards. Ben Askren tweeted. Jorge Masvidal just started a fight with Leon Edwards. So he didn't have to fight me next. Dude. <laughs> ben Askren man. I, goof. I thought he was going to show up because he's a champion from other organizations and things. I thought he was going to show up and really like bring a whole new element of things. That guy looks like the most dad bod <laughs> guy ever. He, he looks like he needs to hit the gym. He looks like he needs to hit the gym. He, he beat the hell out of you and me. That's fine. We can all yeah. understand that. Yeah, that's- but he does not look like every other UFC fighter. I just think he's going to have problems, man. Like, what happens when he runs into another wrestler like yeah. Kamara Usman? Yeah. I think Usman would honestly would, would would just destroy him on his feet. I think much Covington less. destroys him. Yeah, maybe. I think I don't I, I don't really like either one of those I fighters. So. I know, <laughs> and I know Kobe's he's such a 
tool. But after seeing that, like, I do not think that guy's going to make it much longer. And especially because Dana already hates him. He's always hated him. Yeah. And the second he gets out of that fight, that controversial win, he doesn't win for sure already. He gets a controversial win. And then he says, how quick is it going to take Dana to complain about that one? Huh? He's like, that's what he says to Joe Rogan within one second. Yeah. It's like, sweet. This guy's got it all figured out. Well, and Dana already said too, like that Robbie deserves a rematch. Yeah. But then Ben was like, I don't want to fight him in the first place. So I don't, I don't understand why a rematch even makes sense. Well, is that because you got your ass handed to you for like an hour, a minute and a half? Yeah. Or you somehow landed a bulldog choke that we don't really know is actually a, a, a true tap or like yeah. he's actually out or not. But he, you know, Dana with his like who deserves a rematch and all that. I, I take everything Dana says, every single thing Dana White says, I do not believe. I will never believe it until it's on their website and they have a date for it. Yeah. Other than that, his project, like projecting who's going to fight who and all that stuff based on what he says is so useless. If you look at his track record, you remember what he was saying about the Mayweather and McGregor stuff when it first, the ideas of it first happening? Like, I was, nah, it's not going to happen. Blah, 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 we're not even close. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, it did. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could see myself on standing corrected next month as well after that, but forget that. Forget Dana. I'm not going on standing corrected for Dana White because he's a liar. And he doesn't ever follow through with what he's saying. So if he thinks that Robbie Lawler, of all people, deserves a rematch, where's Stipe Miocic's rematch? Yeah. Where's Tyron Woodley's rematch? Yeah. I don't think you deserve a rematch. I think it's just a matter of it's a business. People are going to make the fight that makes the most money. Why do you didn't think- you, didn't Joanna immediately get a rematch with Rose? She did. But the women's is different because do you know anybody else in that division? I mean, we probably do, but does anybody else know anybody else in that division besides Rose Namanunez, Yuana Young, Jacek, and then Carolina? Carolina's in there. The gal who's going to fight Rose right now. But anyways, no one knows. So it's kind of like you stick with Rose and Yuana again. You kind of double dip in that. So it's the same thing they did with Woodley and Thompson. Woodley won that first fight, in my opinion. And they were just like, man, everybody's talking about this fight we got. Again, although rematches are probably easier to market. I mean, simply putting Holloway versus Dustin Poirier 2 on that title already, if you're a casual, you're like, oh, what? There's history here. Yeah. So his history for sure. I mean, Max is what's one of Max's losses. So he's trying to avenge that. Which is always. Let's end end this on that. And then we'll start with, we'll, we'll end it on our new, our new segment for the podcast big predictions but before we start there who are you picking for holloway poirier oh well i think these guys are two different fighters than when the first time they you know i'm pretty sure max took that fight on like two weeks notice or not even so and he was very much like one of his first fights in the ufc if i'm not mistaken it's a different situation now like i think max is one of the toughest kids in mma think he actually likes getting hit which is funny to me not that anybody else doesn't like getting hit i'm sure there's a lot of guys that do and maybe enjoy it um justin i think it'll be i think it'll be yeah justin gaethje absolutely don't see how max doesn't win this fight but then again dustin poirier has shown up to fights and surprised us yeah so 
Yep. It it will be interesting. I, I think it'll be a blessed era night. Me but too. I agree. I would not be surprised. What do we see happen tonight with and it wasn't yeah. for a title, but nope, you're I, right. you know, George Mom George Mazvidal was a dog tonight. Yes. He was a big underdog tonight. And he went to London and he took care of business. Yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna count Poirier out of this fight at all. No. It's a it's gonna be a great one. All right. We'll close this out real quickly. We got another new segment for the podcast called Big Predictions for the Year. And I think, and this is well before this BS with his most recent legal troubles, but I think McGregor never returns to his fit and finish that we've seen him at. I think the dude peaked. I think he peaked all over the place, and it's done now. So yeah. I think he comes back and competes, but I don't, I don't see him ever being a champion or double champ, even sniffing a double champ ever again. He's been a polarizing figure, yep. to say the least. My big prediction is that LeBron James is not going to be a Laker for too much longer. Okay. I have a prediction that we see maybe him want, in may, another uniform yeah, next year. Yeah, I think we might. Maybe it's not, not next right year. Maybe it's not next year, but I could absolutely see. He doesn't have a, a solid career with the Lakers. Like the Laker experience yeah, no, doesn't I, work out. It, like they're not going to be a playoff team this year, right? Wouldn't be surprised if they're not a playoff team next year. Unless he can figure out how to get two perennial superstars to LA they can help him compete for a and how are they going to do that They've, they would absolutely have to sign those guys in free agency right yep because you can't lose those role players like Kuzma like Ball Ingram Ingram nope there's too many Lance Stevenson yep there's too many role players on that team that you can't you would still need the depth there to be able to compete with a Golden State or an Oklahoma City yeah, or you, a Houston. I, yeah, you need a complete well-oiled or Really machine. even, I guess, the Nuggets at this point because they're only a game out. So, My prediction is that LeBron James will not be in a Laker jersey in the next two years. Cool. Which isn't really, you know, it's supposed to be big predictions for 2019. So, well, you could roll it over into, I mean, you could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. Too. Yeah. So, we'll just, this is what we're going to say. And then, uh, and then, you know, it's just a new segment because we're trying to launch a new segment essentially as often as possible. Absolutely. So, cool, man. Well, we got to wrap this up because I got to edit down a bunch already. <laughs> so, goodbye, Earl. Goodbye, Earl was a great episode. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Yes. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. Yes. I didn't check before we started this episode, but I'm pretty sure no one did, and that hurts. Well, good thing is we're still in the infancy here. Yeah. We, Maybe we, we're not ready to respond on Twitter. Yeah. We, we got time. Okay. Well, I was going to say something, and now I spaced it, but... Probably about the Amalgam Network podcast. Oh, oh Amalgam yeah. Podcast. We hit the uh, Amalgam Podcast Network. Yeah. We're going to try and do the video stuff. I mentioned that in the beginning, but we're going to stay tuned for Patreon announcement episode. We'll do a monologue episode where I could just explain the Patreon stuff and then that lives forever. If anybody has a question, is that you can go listen to me for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you'll understand. And then we're going to do that. And then hopefully we're going to get some video episodes going. We got some guests. So we're going to try and get in here. And it's been great. It's been awesome. Three episodes in. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. Trev, your second episode, 
already surpassed your first episode by 20, awesome. 20%. That's awesome. Yes. So if we keep that rolling, I'll be at 100%. Pretty soon, yeah. Pretty soon. Yeah. And then maybe like 200%. Yeah, but it gets harder the more, you know, the higher number it goes. Yeah. Your percentages increases will probably decrease. So we got to get on Twitter. Yes. That's exactly what we're talking about is we need to, we need to get, and hopefully with the Patreon. We got, we got to expand our social network of sports enthusiasts. Yes. Or listeners. Yes. Interacting. It's about interacting together, guys. Sports community. Yes. Commu- it's about community. And we're going to try, and me and Trev and the people behind the scenes here at the podcast, we're really going to try and get some engaging things for you guys that's going to be fun to, for you to, to literally buy into the podcast. Maybe on this next podcast, we'll like make a bet. Yeah. And then we'll like, whoever loses the bet, you know, has to do something that, you know. Hey, that's a freaking genius idea. It will be fun if every new episode we have to do something from a bet that somebody lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe if you lose the bet, you, I'm going to tell you, we're going to go to IHOP and you're going to, I'm going to order you a stack of pancakes. And you're going to, and then I'm going to just decide everything that you're going to have to put on those pancakes and you're going to have to sit there and eat them in front of everybody. That's a good one. And then we'll post it to Twitter. Okay. It could be like mayonnaise and mustard on pancakes. How gross would that be? That sounds terrible. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to do that at all. Maybe some gravy, some country gravy. Gravy and pancakes doesn't sound terrible. I hate mayonnaise. What about like sriracha? Sriracha man. I don't mind spicy stuff, but mayonnaise is the worst. Hey, but what about if I made you, if I win the bet, I'm going to make you like sing something for the next intro of the episode. Sing? Yeah. You don't want me to sing, man. Well, but it would be funny because if I have you sing. I'll sing right now. (laughs) If you want to get down on these hairy baby, why don't you jump right in? It's a party right up in here